Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I think we ought to give Jesus a better praise than that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there's so many people that, that maybe you've never heard those songs. I know I wasn't raised in church. But, you know, a lot of those songs, they hold a lot of theology in there. They hold a lot of biblical truths. And when we really consider how precious the blood of Jesus Christ really is, that's really why we shout. Now, I, I tend to think we have a we have a we have a wonderful worship team, and we we sing we sing some of the newest best songs that are out there, and I love to worship to them. But I don't ever want Apostolic Revival Center to forget the heritage in which the Apostolic Church has come from. Because if we really considered what we would be without the blood of the Lamb, without that blood that was applied. It's just like it was as they sang. The Passover lamb's blood was applied over the doorpost. And wherever that blood was applied, he said, don't worry, death will not come into where you are. I want to tell you here today, without the blood of the lamb called Jesus Christ applied to your life, amen, death is assured for you and I. But because we have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to us, because of what he did on Calvary, death can't come into your life. Oh, death, where is your sting? I think we ought to give Jesus a great big praise all across this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah in Jesus' wonderful name. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6, amen, in, in verse number 5. Amen. We do our throwback service, amen, a couple times a year. Amen, because we always want to, we want to remember, amen, and we want to remind. It's kind of one of those, what meaneth these stones, amen, for future generations to hear. Amen, it was great to see little Dior. She, I know she didn't really know. She was just running, but she was running the aisles on an oldie. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the, thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly but when you pray use not vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking be not ye therefore like unto them for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him amen and i want to talk to us tonight we're going to continue on holy habits part two the mechanics of prayer. Everybody say that. The mechanics of prayer. Amen. You can set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this house that God would help us, that God would speak to us. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you. 
Amen, Lord, that you have brought us this far as a, as a people and as a church. Hallelujah. And God, I'm praying, Lord, that you take this word, minister it into our souls, God, that we could make it part of who we are in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. The mechanics of prayer. Prayer is an inexhaustible subject in our Christian walk. I have taught on it many times. In fact, we really took just about the entire year of 2020 talking about prayer and devotion. You can always go back and you can listen to that. But it's one of those subjects that we can never plumb the depths of. Prayer is not just a Christian thing, if you will. It's something that's in our nature as humans. You can find somebody from an indigenous tribe that doesn't have a Bible, that doesn't have uh, any other literature, and you will find them talking to the unknown, and speaking up to heaven, and speaking to the sun, the moon, and the stars. Because prayer is more than just something that was taught to us. Prayer is as close to our human nature as breathing is. There are many books that have been written about prayer throughout history. In fact, the Bible is a book of prayer. There are approximately 650 prayers recorded in the Bible with approximately 450 recorded answers to those prayers. I mean, that sounds like good odds to me. I think we ought to pray a little more. How about you? Amen. The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry, and we all know he prayed a whole lot more than that. Abraham prayed. Isaac prayed. Jacob prayed. Joseph prayed. Moses prayed. Joshua prayed. Samson, even when he was backslidden, prayed. David prayed. The prophets prayed. Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, prayed. The disciples prayed. And even the mother of Jesus prayed. In fact, amen, I want to remind you that we're called a Pentecostal church because on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, they were all in an upper room, not listening to a seminar, not having a cute little worship experience, but they were in the upper room having a prayer meeting. I want to preach to you for a moment. The church was not started, uh, amen, as some slick MLM uh, pyramid scheme, uh, but the church was started as a prayer meeting. Uh, before we ever got buildings, we had a prayer meeting. Uh, before we ever had nice clothes on, we had a prayer meeting. Uh, before we had great songs, whether in a hymn or on a CD or being played from nice electric instruments, uh, we had a prayer meeting. Uh, before there was ever a preacher to get up and preach, amen, about the cross, about Calvary, we had a prayer meeting. I think we ought to give God some praise. So prayer is not only part of our experience as, human, as humans, but prayer is a necessity. If you want to be an apostolic, if you want to be a Christian, you can't be a Christian without a prayer meeting. Hallelujah. God has called each one of us to be people of prayer. Notice how he didn't just call apostles to pray. 
prophets to pray, evangelists to pray, pastors to pray, teachers to pray, amen, ushers to pray, Sunday school teachers to pray, amen. But God has called every individual to become a person of prayer. I want to help you here today. God called you and God called me to pray. Amen. Too many people are relying upon the prayers of their parents, their pastors, and other people around them to fuel their diminishing fire. I want to help you here today that if you are starting to lose your fire for God or you feel like you lost it a long time ago, it doesn't come from my great preaching because half the time it ain't great. Uh, amen. It doesn't even come from the music, uh, although the music is great. I want to tell you where your fire is going to come from. Every time somebody prayed, God responded. Every time somebody prayed, fire fell from heaven. Uh, if you ever feel like you're losing your fire, you can't have somebody else praying for you. Uh, amen. The greatest way to get your fire back uh, is to hit your knees uh, to call on the name above every name and have a prayer meeting. I'm not just preaching this because it sounds cute. I'm preaching this from experience. Uh, amen. That at my lowest points, uh, when I was not, amen, on fire for God, uh, amen, it was moments when I was not praying. Uh, but any time that I wanted to turn the boat around uh, and change my direction, uh, I just had to call upon the name of Jesus uh, and begin to pray and begin to talk to my God. Uh, and all of a sudden, I got a burden uh, for the loss. And all of a sudden, uh, that fire fire that was just a little dwindling spark, amen, begin to ignite in my soul, and that which was my first love became my now love. When I was lukewarm, amen, the only way to get from lukewarm to hot and on fire for God is to have a prayer meeting. You got to pray yourself into it. You can have somebody encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. But I want to tell you, you're going to be as diminished the next week because they won't be encouraging you next week. But if you get a hold of a prayer life, uh, it doesn't matter if anybody's encouraging you. You'll be like David, encouraging yourself in the Lord. In other words, you'll be like Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you, which was given to you by the laying on of hands. Uh, when you have somebody lay hands on you, uh, that's a great initial start. But how do you stir it up? Uh, you stir up that gift by praying about it. Uh, you stir up that gift by praying and talking to God about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. The prayers of other people are not sufficient for our own devotion. Christianity is not only in the running, the jumping, and the dancing, the shouting, and I love all that, and we do it because we're an apostolic church. We wouldn't be one if we didn't. But I want to tell you that, that, that Christianity is built in the secret place of our daily lives. We must make it up in our mind that we are going to be amongst those that really pray. It's a whole lot easier to say, uh, to, to talk about prayer, prayer than it is to actually pray. Amen. There are, the Bible lists out that there are at least eight main types of prayer. We're going to do multiple times. We're not just going to talk about prayer tonight. We're going to talk about it next week as well. Amen. But the Bible talks about at least eight types of prayer. Amen. James talks about the prayer of faith. Acts talks about the prayer of agreement or what we call corporate prayer. Amen. Philippians talks about the prayer of request or the prayer of supplication or the prayer of 
petition that is requesting and asking God to step in. Amen. Psalms talks about a prayer of thanksgiving. Acts chapter 13 talks about a prayer of worship. Matthew chapter 26 talks about a prayer of intercession. 1 Timothy chapter 2 talks about pray, amen, a prayer of intercession, I'm sorry. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about praying in the Spirit. I want to help you here today. The Bible talks about prayer a lot because it expects us to pray. Question is, how should I pray? There's many that have got their own theologies about how they should pray. And some have gotten critical on others in how they pray. But if we're going to be honest, the Bible is pretty clear. He just wants you to pray. Because in Genesis, Adam walked with God and prayed. The second Samuel says David sat and prayed. Mark chapter 11, Jesus talked about praying while standing. Paul talked about praying while kneeling. Jesus prayed with his face to the ground. And Paul admonished the men to pray with their hands lifted up. Well, you're supposed to pray on your knees. You can pray where you're sitting, sitting down. You can pray while walking around. Well, they shouldn't be walking around as much. Listen, I, I'm too much ADD. i got to move. Amen. There's some people you would slumber and sleep if you did not move. So it's better that you get up and move. I'm just walking with God right now. Hallelujah. In other words, it does not matter your physical position, amen, or the physical petition that one takes to pray. You can walk, you can sit, you can kneel, you can lay down, you can lift your hands, so on and so forth. It does not matter the physical position. What matters is that you're praying. But above and beyond the physical position is the spiritual posture in which you pray. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, it calls us to humble ourselves and pray. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Because if we're going to be honest here tonight, the act of prayer is a humbling one. It is not a prideful thing if you are praying. It's a humbling thing if you're praying. In fact, uh, by praying, we are declaring God's sovereignty, which simply means God's supreme power and authority. Can I help you here today? By not praying, uh, you are invoking an act of pride. By not praying, uh, you are saying, uh, I have enough power by myself uh, without the help of God. Uh, this is why the Bible tells us not just to pray about some things, uh, but the Bible says to pray without ceasing, uh, to pray about everything. Uh, amen. Don't worry about nothing, the Bible says, uh, but pray about everything. Uh, amen. There's some people, they worry, 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 uh, stress, stress, stress uh, about every little thing, uh, pessimism about this, uh, pessimism about that, uh, and they're faithful to it. Every single thing they've got going on, they're going to be stressed about it. They're going to be anxious about it. But the question comes, have you prayed about it? Well, no, I haven't prayed about it. That's an act of pride. The spiritual posture that we take in a prayer must be that of humility. Recognizing that no matter what it is, I cannot do it without God's help. And listen, it takes prayer to get to that level where you can even say, I can't do it. I like the old song that says, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. 
there really comes that understanding when you dive deeper into prayer where, you know, you think that the more spiritual somebody gets, the less they need to pray. It's opposite. The more spiritual somebody gets, the more they recognize their need for prayer. Just like the person that, that you think the better they get or the gooder they get, if I could put it in those terms, the less they need forgiveness. No, that's not actually true because the better somebody gets, the deeper somebody gets, the more they recognize, amen, how great their need is for God. Paul started off his ministry saying, I am the chiefest of all the apostles. But by the time he ended his ministry, he said, I'm the chiefest of all sinners because I might be the pastor here today, but I want to let you know the pastor's a title, amen, that I hold with honor, but I want to help you here today. I'm the chiefest of all sinners. And if anybody needs to pray, I need to pray. Amen, I've gotten deeper enough into this to know that i got to humble myself and pray. I've gotten far enough in God to know that I can't make it one moment without him. See, you might be able to make it a week. You might be able to make it a year. God bless you for that. But as for me, I recognize that I have a need for God and it's only satiated when I call on the name of Jesus. It's only satiated when I hit my knees. It's only satiated when I go to the prayer room. When I don't know what to do, I need God. When I do know what to do, I need God to help me keep going the right way. Uh, no matter what I do, uh, I need God's help. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Oh, I think we ought to magnify him. You never graduate from prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you just get deeper into it. You get a deeper burden for it. You recognize I need it more than I ever have. Somebody pray in this house. Hallelujah. Amen. The spiritual posture that we take in a prayer makes all the difference in our prayer time. Nobody wants to waste an hour. I don't know about you, but you've you got laundry to do. You've got bills to pay. There's some things that you'd be better off if you go in with the wrong posture. You'd be better off doing the laundry. Because this ain't punching a clock. Jesus warned us the posture we should not have. He said, don't. Be as the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites is a word that everybody in the world likes to use. I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. They don't even understand what the word is. The word hypocrite literally means actor. But yet they'll go to a gym with fat people. They'll have a doctor that smokes. Well, anyways, praise God. And they think, well, I, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. No, a hypocrite is somebody that is just putting on a show. Amen. But it's not to be, you're not a hypocrite if you're trying. <laughs> the fat person that's given out, well, forgive me if I, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but the fat person that's given out uh, dieting advice but ain't taking their own advice, that's a hypocrite. Amen. The person that's saying uh, that, that you need to do this, you need to go to the gym, but they themselves have never gone to the gym. They don't have any way to talk. Uh, amen. But the Christian or the individual that is making up in their mind, I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to pray. I might not be the best at it. Uh, amen. I'm going to try and I'm going to strive to be better at it. They're not a hypocrite. Uh, just like the person that says I might be a little bit overweight, but I'm going to the gym. They're not a hypocrite. They're trying. Hallelujah. I just thought I'd define that out for somebody that's got a, 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 a chip against the church. Amen. It ain't full of hypocrites. Amen. This is a hospital. Amen. You don't go to the hospital and say, why is this place full of sick people? It's the best place to be full of sick people. Well, why are people in the church struggling? It's the best place, amen, because it's better than being out there struggling. It's better to be in the prayer room struggling. It's better to be on the altar struggling. It's better to be on a pew struggling than it is to be strung out and struggling. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll jump off my 
candy stick in Jesus' name. But he said, don't be as the hypocrite or the actor, which have entered into a time of prayer looking for the wrong audience. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he says, when you pray, don't be as the actor. Don't be as the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of, of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Matthew 6 and 7, but when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. In other words, they put themselves in the most visible spot because to an actor, everything's a stage. They put themselves in the most visible spot to cry loud, repetitious prayers, not to actually talk with God, but so they can be seen and heard by other people. That doesn't mean, now, I got a question, you know, does that mean uh, that it's wrong for us to pray in public? Is it wrong for us to pray out loud? Is it wrong for us to repeat ourselves? I got three answers for you. No, no, and no. What is wrong is for us to pray for the wrong audience. If you are talking to God and others hear or see you talking to God, there's nothing wrong with that. It's wrong when we act like we're praying or we act like we're talking to God when we're truly hoping that someone else sees us or somebody else hears us. Some people only pray if they think, I'm looking at them. I want to help you today. You got your reward, and it's not a very good reward because I was probably just looking over you. I was focused on something else. But well, the pastor saw me pray, so I guess I can pray. He saw me at prayer meeting, so I must be all right. I didn't take attendance. In fact, I forgot by the time I left. Amen. Let me help you understand what it's like praying like a hypocrite. I'm going to help you learn how to pray like a hypocrite. I'll be the first pastor to ever do that. It's like picking up your phone, pretending you have a great conversation going on for the next hour so others can see you talking to somebody on your phone. Hello, Bill Gates? Yeah, it's so good to hear from you, too. Oh, you want to donate $3 million to me? Excellent. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's not quite the $4 million that I was expecting, but I'm sure it'll work out. You know, uh, oh, what's that? Yeah, you're right. I did get offered to run for the presidency, but I declined it because I could use my talents better elsewhere. Well, anyways, I've got to go because uh, the people aren't watching me anymore and the people aren't listening to me anymore. That's what it's like to pray like a hypocrite. I remember when I first got saved, I was a new convert. And there was another young man. He was about, we were about 15 years old. I hope this is all right tonight. And, uh, and he moved from his grandpa's church. He, had, he was 75th generation Pentecost. Um, he was related to Moses. And, yeah, all the way back there, you know what I'm talking about. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Generational Pentecost, love it. Amen, I wouldn't be here without it. And, uh, you know, he, he came to church, and, man, this guy prayed so eloquently. He sounded like Shakespeare. I'm not kidding. I'd be praying next to him, and he'd be like, Thouest that dwellest in the infinitude of the cosmos. You ever met somebody pray like that? I have. This guy prayed like it. Incline thine auditory receptors towards thine humble progeny. And I'm thinking, what on earth is he saying? And I thought, man, I could never pray like that. 
I'm over here saying a boring prayer, and I'm certain that if God's listening to both of us, he tuned me out a long time ago because my prayer went something like this. Hey, God, I used to do this when I first got saved. I'd be like, yo, dude, I'm really struggling right now. Now, I know you've never prayed like this. All y'all get into the prayer room and you, dearest thouest that dwellest in the most high, holy place. And you get your Shakespeare going on. I know you pray like that. You got old English when you pray. But I prayed as a kid from the drug home and praying from the streets. I said, God, it's me again. I, I'm, I just want to let you know I'm really struggling right now. I, I got a lot of things going on at home. And my dad's addicted to this. And I had to step over and I'm on my way to prayer meeting tonight. And I don't exactly know what I'm going to do about this. I just got one request. Can you help me? And I thought to myself, there's no way God's going to listen to me compared to that guy. But that's wrong. Because the true story is God heard us both. But that young man, he had a different audience. He didn't care if God heard him. He just wanted everybody else to think and think of him as some spiritual thing he got his reward but i got good news for you i got mine too he got his reward because others thought he thought he was real spiritual they liked the act in which he put on and, it, and that act lasted for a couple years until it really came out uh, all the things he was really involved in but meanwhile my simple conversation with god that i thought he didn't listen to me about because it wasn't as eloquent and it wasn't as great uh, it got me through tough season after tough season after tough season and here i am 20 years later and i want to tell you i don't have an eloquent prayer 20 years later i'm still saying god i'm new at this can you help me I've only been here four years don't know what I'm doing but God can you help me and moment after moment God's giving me a reward and time after time God's answering a prayer and I want to help you here today you don't have to be eloquent you don't have to have all the right words but you do got to approach God and say God I'm not praying for them I'm praying to talk with you I think we ought to lift up our hands and magnify the Lord Come on, I think we ought to magnify the Lord. Come on, don't let the devil beat you up because your prayer life uh, isn't as eloquent as somebody else that you met when you first got saved. I want to help you here today. If you can have a communication with God, you've got a prayer life. Somebody pray in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 18 and verse 10 gives us a perfect example of this. 18 in chapter eight, chapter 18, verse number 10. I want you to notice this story. Really pay attention to this story. The Bible says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other one a publican or a sinner. Now, I want to help you here today. He just did this to really get to the people. It didn't matter if it was a publican or a sinner. It could have been a bartender and a fisherman. Didn't matter. But he's trying to prove a point. Because when they heard this story... They look at the two people that are going to pray, and immediately they think the religious guy is going to win this one. The guy that looks like he's got it all together, he's going to be the one that's going to be the hero of this story. I want you to notice this next phrase. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I want you to notice that. He prayed with himself himself well, pastor i was at the church all day long 
you might have been here all by yourself. And God didn't even show up if you approach it wrong. He prayed thus with himself. It was not about talking to God. It was not about relationship. It was not about conversation. It was not about connecting. Uh, he just wanted everybody in the temple to be watching him and listening to him. Uh, and he stood up with these great swelling words in King James English. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are hinting over at the publican. I'm not an extortioner unjust i'm not as the adulterers or even as this chump over here look at how nice i look look at how great everything is going for me i fast twice in the week i give tithes of all that i possess this sounds like a wonderful religious guy unfortunately he sounds like a lot of us in this building because the pharisee's not all bad He's doing a lot of good things, and I hope that's how most people are actually living, that you're actually praying, and you're actually fasting, and you're actually seeking after God, and you're actually giving, and you're actually, amen, not trying to be like the unjust, and you're really trying to stay away from all that. Uh, but, but this had nothing to do with his pedigree before God, because God would know he's just, and God would know he's righteous. He didn't have to give God a pedigree. But he had to give everybody else in the synagogue a pedigree just to let them know. He had to let the person that walked into the prayer room, uh, let them know, uh, I'm better than you. Uh, let them know, I've got more together than you. Uh, one day you'll figure it out too. But he prayed with himself. I'm going to help somebody here today that you've been praying and it's not been working. Uh, amen, I want to help you here today. Stop praying by yourself. If you pray as an act, you're praying by yourself. But I got good news for you. The publican standing afar off would not even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice one was talking to God and one was just talking to himself. You can mutter all the right words and not really be praying. But if you start talking to God, anything you say becomes a prayer. If it's for others, it's just you and yourself and whoever else is listening to you. But if you're praying because you want to get a hold of God, you could come in the worst, most rotten individual in the entire world. But if you've got a heart that says, I want to get a hold of God, and I know I'm, I may not even, you may not even feel worthy to be in the presence of God. You may not even feel worthy to pray. You may not even think you're good enough as if you have to be good enough to get a hold of God. You may, you may feel like you just need mercy. But I want to help you here today. If you are going after the audience of one, and you're going after God. Whatever you say becomes a prayer. Anything you're communicating to God, it becomes prayer. And you can say, God, help me. You can even say, God, I'm struggling. It doesn't matter what you say. You're talking to God. you got a prayer life. And God is attending his ear to you. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, not the Pharisee, this man went down to his, his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts themselves shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. The approach from the man, the first man, the Pharisee, said, it's all about me. It's pride. He didn't humble himself enough to pray and actually ask God or talk to God. It had nothing to do with God. It was all about him. But the other guy, I want to help you. You could be having a terrible day, and you could talk to God. 
but you can still humble yourself when you're having a great day and you could talk to God. And the only difference is the posture and the approach in which you come. Somebody lift up your hands on this prayer. I'm just about done right here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. There's people here this week. You've been thinking about it. God, I just want to get a hold of you. I just, I just want to have a communication with you. I just, I just want to talk with you. Hallelujah. That, that's my heart's desire. I want to tell you, you're going to get a hold of God. You're going to walk home justified. Things are going to change in your life. God's going to answer those prayers. God's going to hear you. You're not praying by yourself. Hallelujah. You can be surrounded by the whole church in corporate prayer. You can be loud. You can be standing in the front praying. But if you're not praying for other people, you're going to be talking with God. But if you come, it doesn't matter where you're standing. You could be all the way in the back room. Nobody actually saw you, but you're just praying, hoping somebody walks by that back room and sees you. You're praying by yourself. But if you come with the right posture, that posture says, I want to get a hold of God. I, I want to have communication. You ever talk to somebody? And, and you, you, you're talking to him, and I see, I see Brother Ryan. I'm talking to Brother Ryan right now. Brother Ryan's talking to me, and I just, I'm over here. I'm not talking to Brother Ryan no more. And when you pray, and you're praying, you're talking to God, and you don't care about nothing else, and all you're caring about all this other stuff, amen, it's like being on, the, being on the phone when you should be in the presence of the person that you're sitting with. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to close with this, and we'll come back to this next week, but... There are five laws, mechanical laws. What are we talking about the mechanics? The what's, just, just basic. What do I do? What, what is it? We'll talk more about how prayer can be dynamic and, and those kinds of things next week. But uh, there are five laws. Everybody say five laws of a prayer life. Everybody say priority. Prayer must be a priority. If it is not a priority, it will not happen. All the married folk ought to say amen right now. If you do not communicate with your spouse, if you do not put a priority, you might not communicate that day. And we all know what lack of communication leads to. Arguments and fussing and fighting. Amen. But a healthy marriage is built on good, solid communication. And so it is, a good walk with God, a good prayer life is built on good, solid communication. This is the moment where you can bring to God. Some people think, well, I'll come to God only when I have good things to say. No, when you are struggling, you bring that to God. When you got good things to say, you bring that to God. When you're angry about something, David wrote all these psalms, and some of them were talking about all of his enemies and adversaries, and he even prayed and said, God, where are you at? God's not offended by that. He just wants some communication. He just wants you to talk with him. He just wants you to share what's going on in your life. But in order to do that, you got to make it a priority. This is why Jesus, we'll talk about this a little bit next week, he talked about shutting the door. When you've got an open door policy when it comes to your prayer life where I'll do it when I have time, you ain't ever going to have time. Amen. Number two, everybody say time. Prayer must have a time because life and work is on a schedule and that is how it goes. And if we do not put it in the schedule, it will not happen. You ask somebody, uh, when are you going to pray? And they say, well, I'll get to it. They ain't going to get to it. But if they've got a time set, 
mechanically. Well, I don't want to be religious. Brother, it'd be good for you to have a time set and be religious about this and at least pray it out, amen, than to, than to not talk about, talk, not pray at all, amen. Uh, did you know that most of the greatest miracles in the Bible happened around 9 in the morning or 3 o'clock in the afternoon? I don't have time to go through all of them. But those were the times of prayer, amen, throughout the Bible. That didn't mean you got to pray at 9 or you got to pray at 3. There's uh, David said, I pray morning, noon, and night, amen. But if you look through the Bible, Elijah shows up. They had just got done. The prophets of Baal at noon were sacrificing all of their uh, uh, sacrifices, and he took the next couple hours uh, preparing his sacrifice, and all it took was a couple word prayer, and the fire fell from heaven. I just don't think it's coincidence that's right around his prayer time. When you look at, amen, on their way to the temple, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, it was at the hour of prayer. Amen, it's no coincidence that the man that was lame at the gate got healed at the hour of prayer. I just have to believe that when people make it a priority and when people set out the time to do it, that God knows just like he did with Adam, I'm going to meet him in the cool of the day. If he knows you're going to be there at 9 a.m. God's going to be waiting for you uh, and God's going to have miracles waiting for you and Daniel prayed for 21 days and he prayed multiple times a day and he fasted but you know where his answer showed up it showed up in his prayer time I want to help you Gabriel showed up and said I got your answer it didn't come out of his prayer time it came in his prayer time but he had to set aside that time Number three, you got to have a place. Everybody say place. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pray everywhere. We should pray everywhere. You, sometimes you need to make your dashboard your altar. Just make sure you pray if you're driving with your eyes open. Watch and pray. Hallelujah. Drive and pray. Don't drive by faith. Amen. It won't work out too well. But you, you got to have a place. I think every home ought to have a place that you can go to pray. Well, I only have so many square feet. Take one square foot, stand in it, and make that your prayer place. So when I, when I first got saved, well, the Bible, I, I, was memor I started memorizing Matthew chapter 6. It's talking about entering your closet. I had one of those little sliding closets. And so I just, I just got in that closet, moved stuff out of the way, and, and then shut the door. Because I thought it literally meant I had to get in the closet. And I started praying in the closet. I know I'm probably the only one that literal, but, but I got in the closet and I started praying. But you know what's incredible? As, as ignorant as I was and as, as naive as I was, uh, you know, God met me in that little closet. Hey, you know what's great? God blessed me with a bigger closet. Amen. I had a better place to pray. He blessed me with a walk-in closet. I had a place to get a hold of God. You know, if you'll just find a place and say, God, uh, I'm going to sanctify this place. Uh, uh, don't, don't, make it, don't make it where you got to do laundry. Don't make it where you got other things going on. Make it a place where you can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step aside for a moment, uh, and this is my place of prayer. Uh, I know of preachers, they got a rocking chair. That's their place of prayer. I know of some people, they've got a little corner of their home. That's a place of prayer. I know people, they've got the ability to get to the church every single day, and they've got themselves a little area in the church where they pray. Whatever you do, get yourself a place to pray, because the moment you get there, something's going to connect in your brain and say, it's prayer time. Is this too simple? It's prayer time. Why? Because I entered the place. It's time to get a hold of God. Why? Because I'm here. He told Moses, there's a place by me. Moses went up the mountain to pray. Jesus went into the mountain to pray. He went to the garden to pray. you got to find a place to pray. 
Make it a place where you know. And, and let me just say this. Don't, don't get a gym that's an hour away. You'll never go. Don't get you a prayer room that's an hour away. You'll never go. Get you an accessible place to pray. Everybody say pattern. We'll talk more about this next week. But you got to have a pattern of prayer. You can always improvise, but I've found when people don't have a pattern to pray, they don't actually pray. They just walk and mumble. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hey, that's where we all start, but please don't be 40 years in and still be doing that. Glory to God. You know, there's enough going on in the world and in the church and in your life. There should be a list from here to heaven of what, what you could pray about. If you don't have anything to pray about, you see me after church, I'll give you my list. You can pray for me. But you got to have a pattern of prayer. We'll talk about this next week. Amen. Uh, uh, this pattern of prayer could look like the Lord's Prayer, which starts with praise. Everybody say praise. Amen. Then it goes to priority, which is the kingdom. Everybody say priority. Then it goes to provision. Everybody say provision. Amen. Then it goes to power. Everybody say power. And then it goes to giving God the glory. Amen. You got to have a pattern, something you can follow, where maybe you got might get a little lost. You don't exactly know what to pray for, but if you get yourself a little pla- a little pattern, we got many more than you could use, uh, more than you got time for. But you get yourself a set where this is the moment where I'm going to pray for my kids. This is the moment I'm going to pray for my spouse. This is the moment I'm going to pray for my job. This is the moment I'm going to pray that God would forgive me. This is the moment I'm going to give God praise. Uh, if you do that, I promise you, you'll have you'll have more prayers going on than you even have time for. But you'll have a pattern. And you won't feel like you're just wasting an hour or clocking an hour in. Uh, Why? Because I've got uh, a pattern in my prayer life. And then finally, everybody say, pray out loud. Luke 11 and 2, they asked the Lord, teach us to pray. And this was his answer. He said, when you pray, say. Everybody say, say. Do you know this this is a secret to prayer? Pray out loud. I'm not contradicting what we're talking about tonight. Don't pray so that you can be overheard, but it's not a problem if you are. You're not praying, so I'm not praying. So, Lord, bless Brother Bobo. Did you hear me? As long as he heard me. No, but if I'm praying for Elder Bobo and he overhears me, praise God. But that's not why I was praying that. Hallelujah. But you know what? The people that say, well, I'll just pray up here. You're not praying. You're thinking. Well, hallelujah. You know, a secret to a mechanical prayer life, I'm talking about where you can actually get through a time of prayer. you got to learn how to pray out loud. And, and, and this is where it goes back to finding a time, finding a place, making a priority. Uh, it's hard to get amongst a bunch of people that are praying uh, and, and to pray out loud because you might feel insecure. But the more you go home and find yourself a little pray, a place and you get a relationship with God, amen, you'll have more things to talk about than you got time. And you'll know how to talk out loud. Uh, amen. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. But Sometimes uh, that hearing comes when you are speaking out in faith uh, and you are praying it out in faith. uh, And when you pray it out, you hear it uh, and your faith gets built. Uh, The Bible says building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let me help you here today. No prayer is silent. You are not praying if you are silent. But if you can pray and you can start praying and you're opening up your mouth and you are talking to God, amen, it's a fundamental principle that now you are getting a hold of God. Imagine for a moment, I love my wife and I wish that we could read each other's minds, especially because I'm the man and I have no idea what's going on. But if I just stared at her for an hour, 
She might like that. I don't know. And I just said, well, you all call her sisterhood, but Stephanie. 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 She's eventually going to go, what? When you're talking to Jesus, you've got to think about it like you're talking to your best friend, like you're talking to your spouse. It's not a religious thing. It's a communication thing. If you think about it like a religious thing, you won't ever want to do it. But when you fall in love, I mean really fall in love. I mean you just can't wait to, to talk. Prayer changes things. It changes the atmosphere. It changes what I'm praying about. And ultimately, when you're praying, prayer changes you. I think we ought to stand across the building and lift up our hands and magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. We're going to be people of prayer. God's called us to have a prayer life. Amen. I want to tell you, if I don't get a hold of anybody, but I just get a hold of one person, I've done my job. If one person walks out of this building with a desire to get a hold of God, I've done my job. If you go home and never pray, that's all right. But if your neighbor goes home in prayer, I've done my job. Somebody's going to get a hold of God this week. Somebody, not, not just at church, not just over your meal, but somebody's going to get a hold of God tomorrow. Somebody's going to get a hold of God on their break at work. Somebody's going to get a hold of God. When it comes to this, we got to reframe prayer. Prayer is not a disciplinary action. That if you ain't praying, praying the pastor's going to get you. No, let me help you here today. If you ain't praying, you're going to get you. You're going to get you in trouble. You're going to get carnal. You're going to backslide. You <laughs> That's what happens when you don't pray. But when you pray, whew, when you pray, things transform. When you pray, mountains move. When you pray, when you pray, things in you change. When you pray, relationship with God is built. Listen, we can build a church, a very big church, off people that pray. We might have the greatest programs. We might have the greatest music. We, and I hope we have all that stuff. But if nobody's praying, we are not building a church. We're building a social club. But if you'll pray, you'll have that connection with God. You know, my pastor put it best. He said, you can't lead people that aren't praying. I'm, I'm not trying to lead people that are carnal. You can't convert goats. You can't. But if you want to be a sheep in God's pasture, you're going to be somebody who says, God, I want to get a hold of God. That's why our, our, our number one ethic is we're pursuing God. That's what it all comes down to. When you pray, what are you doing? I'm not trying to be religious. I just, I just love Jesus, and I want to know him more. All the married folk, I know that you've been married a while now, and maybe it's gotten dull to you. It hadn't gotten dull to me yet. Everybody tells me it's the next year, and then I get to the next year. It's great. And then they tell me it's the next year, and I get to the next year. It's great. And, Anyways, but, but you know, those are people that, that when you first got married, I know everybody got, got cell phones now, but there's some folks, you use calling cards because she was long distance, and you ran out of minutes, and you went and bought another one. There's some folks that you stayed up on the phone way too late, four in the morning, talking about what's your favorite color. Don't, don't act like you, I know you got gray hair now, but don't act oh so holy. You, you were in love. You were smitten. 
you wanted to communicate. Some of y'all wrote letters. Young people, you don't know about a letter. You don't know where the stamp goes on the letter, but it's all right. You send DMs. Praise God. But there's some folks, you sent letters. You wrote little. Any older folk want to raise their hand and say, did you write a letter? Come on. We got some love letters in the house of God. We were just talking about Song of Solomon. That's a love letter, brother. That's a love letter. We got some love letter folk in the house of God. Do you know, prayer's kind of like that. Do you know what happens? People stop caring about getting to know God. Or they get to a place where they think they figured it out. You know, this is usually when their relationship with God starts getting stagnant. Same thing with marriage. As soon as you think you figured it all out, this is why some spouses, you got to switch it up on them. You got to start liking different things. Well, I like onions now. You have it for 15 years, don't matter. I like them now. You got to just keep them on their toes. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to God, we think we figured it all out. And listen, you might be able to figure your spouse out. I doubt it because they're complex. But let's be honest, you will never figure God all the way out. But yet some people have gotten to the place where they've gotten bored with God. You know what it came down to? They stopped communicating. You know people that come to me and they say, well, Pastor, I just don't know about this anymore. What, what do you mean you don't know about oneness of God? Like we can talk about it. We'll talk about it. I love to talk about the oneness of God. But well, I just don't know about that anymore. I don't know about Jesus' name baptism anymore. I just don't know if this is the right way anymore. Somewhere along the lines, you stopped falling in love with Jesus. You stopped the communication process with Jesus. Because whenever you communicate with Jesus, he imparts wisdom to you. He imparts revelation. He starts telling you what he does like and what he doesn't like. When you talk to Jesus, he starts opening up revelation and you see the kingdom like you've never seen the kingdom. You start seeing other people like you've never seen other people. They're it's like that dating scene. You start learning things you never knew. And you can't wait till the next phone call. That's exactly what it is when you're praying to Jesus. And if we'll frame it the right way, I'll tell you, there's some folks that are going to go home and they're going to fall in love with Jesus again. I think we ought to lift up our hands. I'm, I'm done talking, but I really want to hopefully present this in a way where you, that we can take it. This is not me saying I got it all figured out. No, what I'm saying is I'm just trying to fall in love with Jesus too. I'm just, I'm just trying to pursue God too. I'm just trying to get a hold. I want to learn more about God. I, I don't want to get stagnant to where I think I figured it all out and then I've talked about everything I could talk about and I've prayed about everything I could pray about and, and I only come to him when I have needs and I, I only talk to him when I've got a problem. No, I want to talk to God when I've got good news. I want to talk to God because I want to to know what's going on in my life. I want to have a relationship with God. I don't want to get to the end and him say, I never knew you. Somebody lift up your hands and pray. In fact, I want to open up this altar. Would you come? This is an opportunity not to say, well, I've not been doing right, Pastor. No, this is an opportunity to say, I want to talk with Jesus more. I want to, I want to have a relationship with Jesus that's deeper than it's ever been. Uh, I, I don't want to just have a shallow Christianity. I want to have one that knows God. Uh, I want to have one that gets a word from God. Uh, I don't want to just have a Sunday religion, a Wednesday religion, but I want to talk to God on Monday. I want to talk to God on Tuesday. I want to talk to God on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not because a pastor's watching, not because anybody else is listening, but because I got to know him. Come on, if that's your heartbeat, somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, you may not have the eloquent words. It don't matter. But when you come with the posture that says, I want to talk to you, 
God, I want to talk to you. I want to get a hold of you. I want I want to know you on a deeper level, God. I I don't want to just I don't want to just claim to be a Christian and never actually talk to Christ. I, I want to have a communication. I want to have a walk with you, Lord. I want to meet with you in the cool of the day. I want to know what's going on. God, what are you speaking to the church? What are you speaking in the last days? God, what's going to happen in my life? What are the next steps I need to take? God, direct my paths, but it only comes from prayer. Come on, that's it. Somebody talk to Jesus. Make me a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Come on, if that's your prayer. Come on, I want to be an altar, God, where it's praying without ceasing. It's offering up before God and that incense is always going before God and his tabernacle is always seeking God. Come on, don't worry about nobody else around you. This is just you and Jesus right now. God, I just want to know you more. I just want to, I want to feel you more. I want to talk to you more. I want to fall in love with you more. Hallelujah. I haven't figured it all out yet. Come on, whether you're in the altar or you're at your house by yourself, I want you to know you can call on Jesus and he'll respond. You can call on Jesus and the King of Kings, the maker of heaven and earth, will listen to every word you speak. You might, be, you might be having a rough day. He'll listen to it. You might be having a tough time. He'll listen to it. You might have needs. He'll listen to it. You might need forgiveness. He'll listen to it. And God will answer. Come on, somebody's going home, and they're making it a priority to pray. Come on, they're finding themselves a place, and they're designating, that's my place to pray. Some people are going home, and they're making it up in their mind. Doesn't matter what's going on, I'm going to have this time set aside for me and Jesus. There's some folks that are going to go home and look up a pattern on which they can pray about. There's some folks, they've made it up in their mind. I'm not going to think about prayer anymore. I'm going to actually pray out loud. I'm going to actually talk to God. God's going to respond to your prayers, sir. God's going to respond to your prayers, ma'am, in Jesus' name. of prayer. 
Come on, that's it. Take a few there moments. We are a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. All across this building, somebody pray. I believe that God is helping somebody. They're, they've been wanting to do this. They've been feeling to do this. But now God has given you the encouragement to go out and actually do it. Hallelujah. God has given you the fire and he's stoking it right now. Amen. To go home and clear out and carve out a spot where you can pray and you can seek God. Build an altar in your home. Build an altar at your house. Find that you might have a spare bedroom. Make that your place to pray. You might have a closet. Make that your place to pray. You might have a chair. You make that your place to pray. You might have a garden. Make that your place to pray. Whatever you do, get up and do something. Pray and talk to God. Come on, let's just take a few more moments all across this building. Come on, I believe God is going to respond to this word because it all comes back down to communicating with our Heavenly Father. Come on, He's, he's the Father that just wants you to call Him. He's the Father that just wants to hear your voice. Hallelujah, it doesn't matter what's going on. You can call Him any time of any day at any moment, no matter what's going on in your world, and He's going to hear you. Somebody pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Every prayer, every prayer. He hears every prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, tonight we, we sang from a hymn book. We sang some good old gospel songs. But you know what I think of when I hear those songs? I think of those old stories where they tell me about, well, sister so-and-so was a prayer warrior. Brother so-and-so was an intercessor. And I think about my generation. Everybody wants to be a preacher, and I'm good for it. I'm a preacher. Everybody wants to be a musical artist, a singer in the church. 
some position or title. But I wonder where the intercessors want to be. Who wants to be labeled one day as, oh yeah, brother so-and-so was a prayer warrior. But you know, I hear all those stories about some of those good old sisters, those good old brothers. They didn't start when they were 65 years old, although you can. They started doing when they were kids. And somewhere along the lines, what makes them different than other people? They just made prayer a priority. They just sought out a carved out a place and a time. They just they just they just started getting in a rhythm of prayer, a pattern of prayer, and they just they communicate with God. And what happens the more you do it, just like anything else, the more accustomed to it you are. The more fluent you are. And when God looks down from heaven and there's something going on, anybody ever experienced the spirit of intercession? I know I have. It's only come on me a couple times in my life. One of them was at 3 in the morning. And I remember that moment, those moments I've had. And I wondered, you know, has everybody felt this? And the answer is no. Because God knows you wouldn't roll out of bed at 3 in the morning to pray. And it's not because, you know, you're tired. It's because he wouldn't get you moving and praying at noon. One, two, three. But the people that have gotten in that rhythm. Again, I'm preaching for the benefit of the people that are getting in that rhythm. If you don't want to get in that rhythm, I'm not preaching to you. Don't get offended to me. I'm just talking to people that really want to get a hold of God. He looks down and says, that person will hear me. That person, they know how to just drop to their knees. They're going to get a hold of me. They're going to get a hold of me. They're going to get a hold of me. Every great revival started with prayer. Every great revival was fueled by prayer. And every revival that ended, ended when people stopped praying. There's a preacher I know of that would not go to a city unless he had intercessors praying for him. For that specific revival. What would happen in Carson City if somebody just said, you know what? I'm going to have such a prayer life where I'm going to get a hold of God. And I'm going to have such a communication with God that when God wants to pray for something, or He's directing me to pray for something, He knows He can count on me. I wonder what prayers would go forth from this house and what revival would follow after. What do you say we give it a try? I'm on board. I'm on board. I don't know about you, but I'm on board. Lift up your hands one more time. Jesus, make us prayer warriors. God, make us intercessors. I know you won't force us to be, but God, we're asking you to mold us, to shape us, to make us. Where God, we'll pray, we'll pray, we'll pray, we'll pray the prayers. We'll pray for the sick. We'll pray the prayers of faith. We'll pray. We'll seek your face. And God, you can count on this church to be praying. You can count on this people to be praying. And Lord, when you bring them in from the streets, they'll come into an atmosphere of prayer. They'll come into a people of prayer. And God, their lives will forever be changed by people that pray. This revival will be started by prayer. This revival will be fueled by prayer. And by the grace of God, it will not end because people will pray without ceasing. Oh, Jesus. God, give us a burden, a 
burden for prayer, a burden to talk with you, a burden to communicate with our Heavenly Father. Amen. God, don't let it be, don't let it continue to be in the minds of some as I have to. But God, let it be a get-to. Let it be something we can't wait for. I can't wait for the next church service. I can't wait for the next prayer meeting. I, I can't wait until I can do that again. In Jesus' name. Whoo. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, we 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 pray as the disciples prayed. Lord. Teach us to pray, not to prophesy, not to walk in the gifts. Those will all come later. We'll pray for those. Not to, not to preach great sermons, but God, teach us how to pray. Because if we'll learn how to pray, all those other things will follow after God. Uh, Lord, if, if, you, if, if you teach us how to pray, revival follows. If you teach us how to pray, miracles, signs, and wonders follow. And God, I pray, Lord, help us, God, to learn how to pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. God bless you. Let's go from this place prayerfully, ready to go home and have a prayer meeting in Jesus' name. God bless you.